Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, have a happy Wednesday evening, folks, or at least I hope you had a happy Wednesday evening watching AEW and NXT wherever you are right now in the world, and I hope you're going to cap off this wonderful Wednesday evening enjoying some wrestling discussion with us here at Fightful, FightfulWrestling.com, Fightful.com, YouTube.com slash Fightful, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes, and we are going to be talking about AEW Dynamite and NXT right here tonight. It's the Wednesday Night Wars podcast. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. We're going to run down everything that happened, and it's going to be a good time. Just like everything that happens on Fightful is a good time. You get all your news, all your scoops, everything is there. And if you want a little extra, if you want a little more to that, if you want to, if you can't get enough of all that sweet, sweet Fightful content, and you want to show a little support at the same time, you head on over to FightfulSelect.com. You subscribe to the service and you get a whole bunch of extra content. You get extra podcasts over there like Steven Jensen covering everything non-WWE uh, every uh, every weekend on the Weekender podcast. You have uh, Sean who does Q&A sessions like all the time now. It's like essentially a, he's Mr. Q&A these days, but he also has he also has backstage reports as there, there as well. Get extra content from the Listen Your Boy podcast and you get... You get in my look. I mean, I'm just throwing this out there, and it's not because I really like Alex Pulaski. I'm going to say this, but to me, the main event, Fightful Select, is unquestionably Sour Graps, where our boy Alex Pulaski reviews every uh, every week, twice a week, Raw and SmackDown, and he does it in a very sour slash uh, um, animated way. Alex, but Alex is always in a good mood on Wednesdays. Alex, how you doing? Uh, listen, it's Wednesday. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm so much better than, than, you know, I, I, listen, I have both of my eyes, which is more than I can say for, um, for a certain, uh, luchador legend. And I just want to say big ups and we're thinking about you, Ray Ray. Uh, hope you're doing all right in that local medical facility. Mm -hmm. Um, was really happy to hear that your optic nerve wasn't severed. In that horrible, horrible act, the act that that Seth Rollins 
purported upon you where he drove your eye into the corner of a steel steps and removing the eyeball from the socket because that's how physics works. Exactly. And it's crazy how he, it didn't, it didn't come out the first time he did it. It's just wild. I'm telling you, nature is full of surprises. I, yeah, it really, really is. Uh, just like nature brought Louis Dangour back to us this week. Uh, he was swept away by uh, strong winds and thankfully found his way back home uh, <laughs> to uh, to us this week. Louis, uh, Louis, how are you doing? Oh, I'm very good. Firstly, thank you, Carlos, for filling in for me last week. But I have returned. So I'm expecting double super chats from everyone and the show to run considerably more smoothly than it than it would have done last week in my absence. Hey, you know what? I started and my microphone was working this week, so it's already a win in my book. Uh, as Louis mentioned, if you want to show a little support here this evening, you can drop drop us a super chat. Drop us a super chat. There we go. And I will stumble my way through them. Up the evening. Um, Want to start off by uh, reading off a super chat from our, our, our friend Anakin. Thank you very much. Who says, um, thank you everyone who donated to the Wild Boy GoFundMe. We're over $3,000 so far. You so far, you all rock. Yeah, uh, our boy, um, our boy, uh, Wild Boy, who was a good friend of the show, a good friend of Fightful, uh, had a very, very tragic loss occur to him over the past few days. Anakin set up a, a GoFundMe to help uh, with funeral expenses for his mother. Uh, if you want to help out, it's still possible. Go to Sean's Twitter, Sean Ross Sapp's Twitter, and I think it's still his pinned tweet. Uh, in his pinned tweet is the link to, uh, to Wild Boy's uh, GoFundMe. So if you, wanna, if you do want if you, if you to pitch in and help out a good, a good guy, good friend of the show, that would be fantastic. Um, Zach Barber left us a super chat. Says, AW won this night in a rout, he says. Well, let's get let's get right to it. Then in one word, Louie, who won tonight? AW or NXT? AW. Alexander? Very, very quick. Alex, what about you? <sighs> A.W. Oh, there you go. I think and I, I think that was the correct answer for uh, for the night. By the way, folks, uh, if you do leave a super chat and I don't read it straight off, it's probably because I'm, ser- I'm saving it for the segment a little later on. So don't worry if I don't read it straight off the bat. I will eventually get to it. I promise. And we started off the evening on AEW Dynamite tonight with the TNT Open Challenge. We had Cody squaring off against his, the surprise, surprise, surprise uh, uh, participant tonight, who turned out to be, as a lot of people were speculating online, Eddie Kingston. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with Eddie Kingston, he's been around since 2002. He's wrestled in PWG, Ring of Honor, TNA Impact. Uh, he's had tryouts for WWE. He most recently was uh, was involved in uh, NWA. Guess what? The status of the NWA being pretty much up in the air these days. Uh, a guy has to find some work. Uh, and um, he's a guy who's uh, he mentioned in his promo tonight. He's a guy whose formative years were indeed very, very difficult and they're well documented. He's one of the best talkers out there, and I was really happy that he got a shot here tonight. And that promo that he cut tonight, my goodness, Louie, he, 
Uh, he calls Cody out saying, you grew up around wrestling legends while I grew up around junkies and alcoholics. He says every person that Cody has previously faced was a child and he is a grown man and he promises to put Cody in the ground. Kingston says Tony Khan paid him to show up and take the title from Cody. Kingston says Khan would also allow a no DQ match if Cody accepts. Cody does. I, I love Eddie Kingston. I thought he was... Uh, misused, underused in uh, in NWA. He was mm. clearly one of the best talkers. Uh, this was this was fantastic and gave me all the right feels. Yeah, I thought this was exceptional. Actually, I think it was the best open challenge by far in terms of what it achieved, and it felt the most different for me. It felt like really someone who came at sort of an independent name that came in to prove a point and was sort of the the opposite of what Cody is. So it sort of, this match felt gritty. It felt, it felt raw. It felt real. It felt like a trial, I guess. So I really, really, really loved this match and loved the promo that came before it and the positioning of it on the card. I thought this was... This was exceptional. This is what the open challenge should be. So it's got a big thumbs up from me. This was a brawl. This is what it was. It was a fight. And I liked it. Um, Kingston went really hard on Cody with some chops. He Cody takes off the weight belt, but it's Kingston who takes full advantage of it because he whipped the boy something fierce. Uh, they even peel off the padding off the floor, but uh, it's Cody that backdrops. Uh, Kingston onto the cement. Uh, we get a stretch plum from Kingston, which is something I don't get to say all the time. Stretch plum, followed by a dragon sleeper as well. But the main attraction here is the thumbtacks that Kingston had tucked away under the ring. He power bombs Cody onto them, and I love the slap fest as Cody was trying to go for the figure four. Kingston taps to the figure four, and uh, this was a really good match, Louis and. I'll be honest, and it, maybe it's because I, maybe I'm I'm very partial to Eddie Kingston, but seeing him sit on the ramp and just be completely devastated at losing, knowing what kind of hardships he's been through and is still going through, it really broke my heart. Very effective segment as far as wrestling goes. Yeah, I think commentary did a very good job as well. They mentioned a nice fact about him having to sell his boots, I think, to pay his mortgage. It really made you realize how much Kingston obviously needed to win this match and how much was riding on it, which gave it even more stakes than being uh, a, a sort of your average title match. So I really like this. And as you say, the whole image of him being dejected uh, uh, at, um, on the ramp afterwards, again, just proved how much this match meant to him and how much was on the line. So this was perfect. And I hope we see... More stuff like this as as we progress with the TNT uh, Championship Open Challenges. Hey, you know what? Even Roger Acevedo, who left us a super chat, by the way, thank you very much, says, please give me more Eddie Kingston. I mean, Alex, I don't know how familiar you are with, with Kingston's career, but this is a guy that's always been on the sideline of a big break of being one of the in the top promotions. I mean, he was he was in TNA Impact, which is which is non negligible. It's not as if he was uh, completely invisible all these years, but uh, he's so close. He's so close to the big break, and if there's 
anything here tonight, uh, he just en- entered a, another level of mainstream consciousness. Wouldn't you agree? He's uh, he's one of the he's one of my favorite talkers ever, like in the business. Um, there's 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 a potential hypothetical future feud between him and John Moxley where the promo battles are just pay-per-view by themselves. Um, I, I love I love his whole aura of just this like absolute gutter hitman who just comes out of, out of like an alley and just murders you with a hammer like that this guy is just so he feels real and earthy and, and just it it feels great and i wish he hadn't tapped out yeah. in this map yeah. I, I i the tap out didn't work for me i feel like he was doing like choosing to give up in a match where everything you have is on the line his whole promo after the thing that you can watch on twitter is the social exclusive where he's talking about i got nothing else i chose to have nothing else like that is that that Mm -hmm. as a as a guy who gave up everything to try and become an actor 15 years ago i remember that feeling of choosing to have no other options but to try and try and try and try and then you, you you eventually you fail like all that stuff happens so that 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 feeling of i got to do this i have no option but to to do this but to succeed i cannot fail tapping out is is the ac- acquiescence and i don't i don't think that's great he should he should have like been like you can't crossroads him into the thumb thumbtacks like you know that's that's i mean it's that's a brutal way to go but that would reason why he would have to. He would yeah. be able to kick out of the three. Yeah, it would have been fitting. Outcast Kid left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, uh, 21 years old, first time seeing Kingston. I was 100% invested. I knew yep. he would lose, but damn, why couldn't he win the title? Or will he come back? Well, I mean, we're, I guess keep an eye uh, keep an eye on what's going on with, with AEW. Of course, they're in a situation where they can't hire everyone either that that goes through their doors, mm. especially in the context. But here's hoping that this creates some fantastic opportunities for Kingston. I mean, if you want a guy who just has everything that just leaves everything out there and is always, always talking as if his heart is on his sleeve. I love the guy. Absolutely love him. Next, uh, we had uh, we had Mox cutting a promo, applauding Taz for throwing in the towel uh, last week, keeping him from destroying Brian Cage's arm, which led us into MJF coming to the ring against Griff Garrison, a name that you did not know until tonight, Louis. But uh, I did. Oh, 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 sure. Okay. Tell us about tell us about Griff Garrison, Mister. I knew about him, Mister Hipster Guy. Go ahead. He does the dark. What? <laughs> he, he, he he wrestles on dark. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you know what I meant. My goodness. <laughs> MJF. Do you not watch dark religiously? Yeah, I, I, watch, I watch dark on occasion. Sometimes I forget the names of the, uh, uh, of, of the, uh, of the, um, the trainee talent who are there. You forgot the name. I forgot the name. Griff but hey. Garrett. Kudos to MJF. I will never forget it. I, I, I will never forget it. Moving on tonight. I never will. He cuts a promo on, Gar- uh, on Garrison, gets him to say his name, and MJF mocks him because he says it in the most generic wrestling promo way ever. 
mocks him and he says, uh, MJF says he couldn't graduate finger painting class. Asks him how it feels to be in the ring with someone who's undefeated. And Griff Garrison calls him out saying that, well, you lost a tag team last week. And MJF attacks him. They get him. They get into the match, beats him up. During the match, grabs the microphone again and says that he's never been pinned or submitted and therefore has never been defeated. And uh, he wants him to get to say that he's undefeated. And he tortures Garrison until Garrison acquiesces. MJF gets the win. I mean, this... It had been a while since we haven't seen MJF in complete heel form. This was was absolutely fine. Yeah, it it was great. And I think that... The match made me think that perhaps AEW does have plans for Griff Garrison, perhaps going forward, or see him as someone who could be a potential player uh, in in the next couple of years. For me, it was quite funny sort of seeing the obvious slight similarities, at least visually, between Jungle Boy and Griff right. Garrison. And obviously, knowing MJF's history with Jungle Boy... I think that was quite cool. Um, and seeing, I mean, just MJF square up to people who were standing in the audience was just fantastic. MJF is just brilliant. Um, I would like to see him perhaps in a storyline or with a sort of mini feud for the next couple of weeks of Dynamite, something with a bit of substance that he can sink his teeth into. Because I think we're all sort of in this stage where he's undefeated, he should be challenging for the world title, why is he not? And we're sort of all waiting for that to happen and plodding along. But I think he needs something to sort of sink his teeth into. But for what this segment was, it was very good. Got MGF over as a heel, got him another win in the win column. It was it, it, it was very good. Dante left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, here's $5 for Louie to take time out of his busy schedule to watch AEW Dark. I mean, you know, there you go. Congratulations, Louie. <laughs> Thank you. Anakin uh, left us a super chat as well. Says Alex, why, why were you so sad when you said AEW at first? Well, I, I, I wasn't sad. I, I was, I was conflicted because I believe that that NXT for me had some really, really great stuff, and and the low points of NXT were much lower than the low points of AEW. It was very close. It was very close. It was, it was close. like. 52% AEW. It was close to me. because, And I, I really wanted to give it to NXT because, as we'll discuss, that triple threat match was all kinds of flame emojis. Reba or Rebel or whoever tries to give an update on Brit, but Brit is in the back and she's screaming out at her to come, to, to come talk. Of course, they're, we're continuing the rules of being a role model. Rule number four is to never count out a role model. Uh, she's, um, she says she's set for the comeback. She's ready to come back. Like Rocky defeating Drago, like Michael Jordan making a comeback with the Washington Wizards to which Tony Schiavone says, Hey, you know what? The Wizards never made it to the playoffs. And, uh, and Reba sort of makes a space jam joke. Of course, Brit is fed up with both of them and she says, don't count me out especially at All Out. Again, hammering home that she's going to be back at All Out. Louis, this was simple, good stuff. Britt Baker is entertaining as hell. So All Out, it, it, firstly, yes, completely agree. Britt Baker's fantastic. I've said it before and I'll say it again. She has done 
the best character work I can remember for someone that can't wrestle. Sure. I'm probably most invested in her uh, out of many people in AEW, whether that's the fault, the fact their women's division's not been great or just because Brit's so good, probably a combination of the two. But if All Out's next month, sort of four weeks away, five weeks away, obviously we, I presume that's still going to be the case. We don't know whether they might move it back to try and have fans or whatever the score is. We've... It would be nice to perhaps see perhaps her getting slightly back into training. Because if someone's in a wheelchair four weeks before a match against someone, I'd, I'd be pretty confident going into that match that I'm going to beat the person that's been in a wheelchair four weeks prior. So I, I think perhaps I'd like to see in the future her rehab and sort of training they can do some funny training montages with with her and mm-hmm. rebel but i think that's just me being sort of a slight nitpicker i very much enjoyed the segment it was thoroughly enjoyable brit is fantastic and yeah i'm i am excited for her eventual return and i think it will take aw's women's division to the next level and she'll be the sort of big face that it needs we've talked about it in the past alex you know the idea of doing the training montages with Brit. We saw a bit of it, but I mean, if she's angling for the comeback, we need to see the, we need to see the comeback montage, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely. Like the, the you can even have, I mean, I'm assuming we're building towards a big swole confrontation at, at, at all out. So what it needs is it needs uh, rebel or Reba, whichever one it is uh, with a harness tied to the wheelchair, pulling her up the side of a mountain so that when, Britt finally gets up there in the wheelchair. She can go, Big Swole! That's the only way it'll work for me, personally. Taz came out uh, along with uh, Brian Cage. They said they had a difficult week with heavy discussions and arguments because of Taz's decision to throw in the towel, but he said he made a business decision. The longer that that John Moxley kept that awesome armbar joint lock, awesome, arm bar joint lock on Cage's surgically repaired bicep. Uh, it risked tearing it a second time. This led to Darby Allen coming out uh, to uh, confront Cage, but he gets blindsided by Ricky Starks, who helped out Brian Cage last night on AW Dark, which I watched. And Starks and Cage basically worked together to take out uh, to take out Allen. They power bomb him on the stage. Uh, and then Starks hits an underhook gourd buster uh, in the ring. Moxley comes out for the save. Um, you could do you could do a lot worse here with um, with Darby Allen than pairing him up with John Moxley to uh, to fight off uh, Brian Cage. I mean, this whole dynamic. I'm going to tell you, adding Ricky Starks in here. Give me your thoughts. I don't want maybe you, maybe I've already given you what I think, but uh, tell me what you think, Louis. That's more important. I very much agree. I think that Starks and uh, and Cage work so well because you've got the fact they're polar opposites. You've got the sort of flamboyance of Stark and, and Cage just being a monster. And when they're stood side by side, they don't look like they should work. But I think they have the potential to. Um, and it definitely works. It'd be interesting to see how Taz incorporates that in, into sort of his... 
with his shtick and what he's doing at the moment. But I'm very interested, and obviously it's great to see Stark in a storyline because we haven't seen much from him uh, since he faced Cody. But uh, yeah, again, similarly, the Allen and Moxie pairing, I'd quite like to see that those two have sort of a bubbling odd couple pairing where they save each other because they've done it before and they'll they'll do it again leading to that eventual match whenever that is and which will be fantastic i think that'd be a great one of those sort of tv specials dynamite they do with the the fighter fest or the fight for the fallen or the uh bash at the beach one yeah one of those ones if that was headlined by moxley and allen match i think that'd be fantastic or even on a pay-per-view, I don't think many people would complain if we saw that. So, um, and it's someone that can probably take the loss, uh, and Moxley could, uh, could defeat. So yeah, I, I was very, 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 very high on the segment. And I am very excited for next week. I guess uh, I'll mention it now. They got a tornado tag match, which I just love tornado tag matches with Starks and cage versus Allen and Moxley. I mean, what a way to, to have Starks, his second Dynamite match, and he's in in the ring with uh, Brian Cage, Darby Allen, who's one of the most over people, and the AW World Champion. And, and I think it just will do so much for all four. So, yeah, th- this was fantastic for me. I thought this was great, and I'm very excited for next week. Next, we got an announcement that AW is going to be starting a Women's Tag Team Cup tournament. And uh, they're going to going to be kicking it off with a deadly draw it's not just a draw it's deadly and i don't know if that means that you know they're putting names of the contestants in a like in a bowl full of scorpions or piranhas maybe i don't know exactly what that means but clearly they're going to be they're they're going to try and and give some focus to the women's division by creating a tag team cup tournament anakin left us a super chat to this regard, thank you, Anakin says that. Not sure I understand the need for a women's tag team tournament if there's no tag titles, and especially when the women's singles division needs work. WWE at least has the depth for a tag division. Um, Louis, tell us what you think about this. So, I completely agree. Firstly, AW, well done. You remembered that women can have storylines. And they can have something other than two minutes. So well done. Uh, but in all seriousness, I wish this was a singles tournament mm-hmm. where the finals are held at all out and the winner gets a title match at, I think it would be full gear, the November pay-per-view, have that play out. Have the finals, have, have like a whole tournament uh, because... For me, that's more character development than going, oh, look, tag teams, let's just chuck these two women together. I think that having a 16-woman tournament would be fantastic. Have the matches play out over Dynamite. And if you want to get more people watching Dark, put a couple of the matches on Dark. No one's going to mind. But as long as you put some of the matches on uh, on Dynamite and have Hikaru Shida scouting, the winner faces her. I think it would be... Fantastic. I just don't see the need for a for a tag tie, for a tag tournament because what does the winner get? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, a cup. There's no tag titles. A, a cup. cup. It seems a bit 
NXT does the Dusty Rhodes tag classic well. Let's have our own tag cup with the women. It's it's like, oh, we're being different, but not really. I'm not accusing them of, of stealing the idea, but it just seems a bit... For me, it wasn't the right thing. I would have pro a singles tournament. Sure. But in saying that, hopefully we will now get to see some more women's matches on Dynamite, which which was great. Some perhaps some storylines with I hope a couple of sort of oddball pairings where that can lead into singles feuds. Uh, we'll get into talking about who I think one of the pairings will be later on. Uh, but it was confirmed that the Nightmare Sisters are going to be a team in the tournament. So it doesn't look like they're picking the names out of a hat. It looks like though they've confirmed, but I mean, they're the only team. So who knows? But um, yeah, it's good. But I was kind of hoping for like a, a G1 tag tournament. That would have been awesome. That would have been good. But, but for the, for the men oh, because, and then leading to FTR and the young bucks, that was my fancy booking. But, doesn't look like we're going to get that because we're getting the women. But as I said, women matches on dynamite. However, we're getting them. Brilliant. Personally, I don't have I don't have a problem if there's no tag titles really at the at the end of of the line. Like you know, we had a tournament for a diamond ring, right? In AEW, so you know, a cup, a ring, whatever. I think it. I think it's okay. And I, you know, I'm I, I'm in agreement with you. I think it would have been a lot more interesting to do singles. But then again, if they want to put as many women on TV. Maybe this is the opportunity for them to create storylines, right? To create some interest, get as many faces out there as possible. And here's the thing that's really interesting. So the th- the two things that I'm 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 going to give them the benefit of the doubt to see where they where 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 they where they're going to go with this is first and foremost, are they going to uh, uh flesh out a lot of these wrestlers, these characters and give them storylines, give them things to do? outside of the tournament. That's one thing. Because they do have a lot of women that don't have enough air, that that haven't been on TV enough to really get us to care about them. So maybe that'll be one thing. Here's the other thing. If they want 16 women in the tournament, they don't have 16 women right now. So they're going to have to bring in other women as well. There's been a lot of talk about that recently. Shaza McKenzie put out a very heartfelt uh, post yesterday on Twitter where she was asking if it wasn't for her to, in regards to Sheeta's challenge, her or a whole slew of other uh, independent female wrestlers right now, if they can go get, if they can pick up some people there, not just guest appearances, actually hire women, some really, because there are some fantastic women still out there, Holla Dead, uh, Nicole Savoy, just to name those, those two that are off the top of my head. If they can bring in some of these women, I think it'd be fantastic. Dante left a super chat says, I think we're getting a, uh, I like that we're getting a women's tag tournament, but also wish that we ironed out the singles roster a bit more. We are in complete agreement on that. He says, I'm going with Abaddon and Ref Aubrey to win the tournament. That's a bold prediction. Uh, uh, I, I, I will also make a prediction. Go ahead. I predict that more than half of the matches will be on dark. Oh, well. I'm just going by AEW's history. I, I every time I, I I see what's the lineup on Dark, I'm like, well, there's a lot of women's matches on there. You think they could find a time to put one of those in Dynamite, and they never do. So I'm just saying, Look, it, it, these are all decisions that that AEW brass is making. These are executive decisions, right? They're not like, oh, they're painting themselves into a corner. No, these are decisions that they're making. And if you're treating, if you're putting your women on the B show, 
then you're treating your women's division as a B level, uh, as a B level uh, 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 division. And then why would people care if you're not ready to put them on the main show? Um, Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Says maybe the deadly draw will be pulling from a bowl filled with bad WWE storylines. Yeah, you'd, you'd need a like a like a shipping container more than a bowl. Zach Barber. A well. <laughs> a well. Zach Barber left us a super chat as well. Thank you, Zach. Says, for the first time in a quarter century, the Lethal Lottery is back. I loved that. I, I, I'd be a... And I mean, it'd, it'd, it'd be the kind of thing that, w, that AEW would, would do. You know, throw back to the old WCW stuff. Taryn Riddick left us a super chat as well. Says, I would have uh, Anna Jay and Abaddon return to TV as a team representing Dark Order, and have them win. <laughs> oh, Alex likes that one. What? Why not? You'd have to, you'd have to like, have, like, uh, Anna Jay become, like, a dark magician. <laughs> like a sorceress of the dark arts. I mean, there is a dark magician girl in Yu-Gi-Oh!, but, hey, you know what? Maybe my nerd is showing a little too much right now. We get Jericho, who's backstage, and he's complaining uh, about his jacket from uh, the events last week. Saying he's going to embarrass uh, Orange uh, uh, Orange Cassidy and Jurassic Express, and he also reveals to us that Luchasaurus is not a real dinosaur. So, so much for kayfabe. It was like when my mom told me Father Christmas or Santa wasn't real. Yeah. That was the same emotions that I went through when Chris Jericho shockingly revealed that Luchasaurus is not a real dinosaur. It genuinely upset me, and I, I nearly text you saying, I'm not going to be able to do the show tonight because I'm, I'm, I'm mourning. Next, we had the Butcher and the Blade versus the Young Bucks in a fall, Falls Count Anywhere match, and this match progressed magnificently. They're fighting in the kitchen of uh, Daly's Place uh, because... Butcher and Blade are cooks slash butcher slash caterers. Um, anyway, they start fighting. They throw lunch meat at each other. They they slam each other on prep stations. Then they go out into the arena uh, or into the backstage of the arena into a production truck where there's apparently a mud show on tonight. I don't know if you guys picked that up. They fight into the concessions and uh, and there's a super there's a super kick by the young bucks onto Blade. And onto an escalator, and he just disappears as we cut to commercial. Um, what did you think of the match at this point, Louis, as they were just going wild with whatever they had uh, around them? I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. I loved the idea of uh, Butcher and Blade just handling meat. That sounded dodgy, but... Um... Just uh, being chefs, I guess. Uh, I thought it was. I thought. I thought the start of this match was chaotically brilliant. And if you told me, even two months ago, that I would be interested in seeing a butcher and blade match, I probably would have said, mm, not really. Like they're fine, but I, I don't really care. But I was really into this. I think the past few weeks with their involvement in the FTR stuff and their sort of odd couple pairing with uh, with. Uh, Lucha Bros and the feud with uh, Bucks and FTI. It's been, it's been great. So I, I now care about them. It's just another great team in AEW's uh, tag division. So yeah, so far from this match, it was chaotically brilliant and, and I loved it. And it only got better. That's the thing. 
for me, it wasn't doing it personally. It wasn't doing it for me at first okay. in the back. But when they got to the ring, oh boy, uh, Butcher fights back against both of, both of the Bucks. There's chairs and tables and flips. Butcher double suplex, double suplexes the Jacksons. Uh, they set up some tables. Blade does a somersault dive to the floor on Nick against the table, but he completely misses the table. But I mean, like, by a country mile. Butcher doesn't miss the table, though, when he crossbodies Matt Jackson through a table, though. That was spot on. Uh, there's a nice bulldog dropkick combination by the Bucks. Some more tables come out at the top of the stage. Uh, some fighting up there. Eventually, Butcher and Blade end up on the tables. The Bucks end up on top of the entrance ramps. They flip and uh, elbow drop from the top through the tables. They get the pin. I mean, it was a perfect match for Rick Knox to referee because there were no rules. So he was perfectly in his element regardless. Final thoughts on the match, uh, Louis? Firstly, I don't think there's been a show that I've done where you haven't thrown a subtle jab. Actually, not even subtle jab. A clear-for-all-to-see jab at Rick Knox. Do you have some sort of issue with him that no one's sort of addressed with you? Uh, did did you and him, were you and him friends at school and got into a fight? Nothing personal. I'm just judging him on the quality of his work. You're here. You, you, people come here for opinion. And I think that uh, Rick Knox, well, Rick Knox lets the guys fight. Let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, the, the, this match was great. Uh, I mean, the Blade, how is he alive? That was... That bump, man. Do you think he was supposed to go through the table? Yeah, I think so. For sure. Matt then, was up against would, uh, would Nick was up just, against it. He, but would they not just... He, this was taped last week. It, well, I, I guess they didn't retape it. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell I you. I mean, it probably looked so good that they were like... It was so bad that it looked good that they were like, you know what, we'll keep it in. Uh, but yeah, this was brilliant. I think that uh, I'm really interested in Butcher. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I just thought that this was great. Young Bucks are great. I would have liked... Actually, I'm sort of torn whether I wanted to see a bit of FTR stuff. I kind of like that we didn't. So they don't have to be in the ring at the same time. And the FTR can go and do their own thing. Young Bucks can do their own thing. So I've actually just convinced myself now that it was the right thing to do to not have them mixing it up on this episode. We've seen it a lot recently, and I think the sort of all oh, we respect each other might get a bit boring if it's done every week, so this was the right thing to do, I think. Uh, but, yeah, great stuff, and uh, I like how AEW often puts like a great match on in, in the hour, mm-hmm. right? It's sort of the hour overlap. So, yeah, this was very good, and uh, if I was not doing this show and I had both shows on, I probably would have, not uh, without knowing what was on uh, with NXT at the same time. I can't remember off the top of my head. I wouldn't have felt the need to switch over. No, this was a good match. Uh, it yeah. was wild. It was a good one. TD Stinger left us a super chat. Says, Bucks are jerks. Butcher and Blade were just trying to do their day jobs, and the Bucks ruined their hard work by throwing the meat on the floor. Well, I mean, they had a match. So... The Butcher and Blade were just not prepared for the match. They they didn't. I don't know where they're supposed to meet in the ring. So I have no sympathy for Butcher and Blade on this one. Young Bucks were just looking for them to start the match that had been scheduled and they knew was taking place. Anakin left us a super chat. 
a couple of super chats actually thank you very much says louis it's simple when warren sees rick knox he's actually seeing dgmc who is a member of the chat and no, I mean DGMC. We don't have to. We don't have to talk about him. Anakin also left us a super chat, uh, saying uh, plus ten points to Warren for the Yu-Gi-Oh reference. Thank you. You're forgiven for bringing up DGMC. Um, Lance Archer is talking with Alex Marvez, and he drags him into the locker room where he starts beating up some guys. He tosses a guy through the ceiling, and then. <laughs> brilliantly dumps him in the trash. I'm going to go with Alex on this one, Louie, if you don't mind. Because Alex, I was looking at this and this is, and I was looking at this and I said, well, this Lance Archer is the best Braun Strowman right now. Yeah. Yes. No, he is. He's, he's, he's their version of it. Along with the fact that they're not capitalizing on his Braun Strowman-ness in the moment. Maybe in like two years when somebody has to drop out of a title program, they'll they'll pitch him a title and say what's up. Before that, though, he's going to team with a child and win the tag titles, and then immediately give them up. Um, I I I love him throwing a dude upwards into the sky, <laughs> in, 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 into the ceiling. That's a thing that I I think I should do more. More ceiling bumps. I think as a rule in wrestling need to happen. Just put put low hanging ceilings over a lot of matches and see what happens. I guess um, this was great. Um, it 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 made me realize, like, in all seriousness, how it, how into this kind of a destructive force that I am, and why why Braun Strowman popped me so much back in 2017 because nobody was doing stuff like that, and and right now nobody's doing stuff like this. So capitalize on it. Figure out a way to, to, to do something with him besides have interviews with him about how upset he is that they're not doing anything with him. It's a damn vicious circle. Like, act, like have him throw actual wrestlers into ceilings as opposed to, you know, guys who are hanging out in locker rooms for no reason. Luigi, you have a quick thought on this? He should have thrown Alex Marvez through the ceiling. <laughs> we are cut from the same cloth, my friend. Uh, next, we had uh, Diamante versus Ivelisse, uh, a rematch from AW Dark last night, which I watched. Um, we had a we had a super chat earlier from uh, from uh, Dante who said Diamante ruled tonight. I thought this was a very solid match from. Both women, I thought it was even a little better from the from their dark match last night. Uh, they go straight after each other. Clearly, they just want to fight. Um, and, and they fought hard. Great chop exchange. Open hand slaps, some kicks. German suplex uh, on Ivelisse by Diamante. And it's a an inside cradle that, um, that gets it done. Um... Nice little match. We got some. We got some women actually in a competitive match with each other. Not quite sure which one of which is going to make it out. Louis, I'd like your thoughts. Did this match happen last night on dark? Yes, it did. Were you watching? No. <laughs> Excuse me for a second Point. while I take a sip. Point Warren. <laughs> listen, listen. I. I had things. I was interviewing FTR yesterday. Uh, I was a little bit busy. Oh, oh! Look at me, big man. I interview FTR. Ooh, they're my best friends now. So please don't be mean. But um, 
Right. I, I, I like this match. This was great. Uh, would have been nice if they perhaps referenced it a little bit more but or built it up last week a little bit more. It sort of felt, oh, they're having a match this week. Okay. They did a good job on commentary of set, like sort of talking about the, their history together. I was a bit surprised at who won. I thought... Ivelisse would win, uh, but Diamante seems great. She's facing Hikaru Shida next week, which should be fun. Yeah, I thought this was good. A bit of nice story development, nice character development. You sort of did protect Ivelisse in defeat by having it with a with a small with 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 a, with a small cradle. I thought, yeah, th- this was good. It was good stuff. I thought the action was good. The the yeah, I, I was impressed. DGMC left us a super chat, says, uh, thank you very much, says, give me Archer versus Kingston. Fear me, Warren. Nah, but Archer versus Kingston. Yeah, I, I, I sign me up for that. That'd be great. Mike Lucas left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. Says, uh, the uh, Motor City Machine Guns are better than the Young Bucks. Controversial, I know. Alex, you got a quick thought on that? I mean, it... To each their own, I suppose. Like I, I like the I like the Motor City Machine Guns. I don't think they're as, as good as the Young Bucks, but they're 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 very good. Hey, Warren. Yes. This match didn't happen on Dark. Hey, we can move along right here with Zach Barber's super <laughs> chat who says Diamante wrestled Kylie King on Dark. Listen, uh, we have to move along here, folks. There's a pace to this match that we had, to this show here that we have to maintain. Adam Page. I was about to shout me. at AEW for not referencing it on commentary. I was going to be like, what lazy people. They had a match last night and they didn't even talk about it. What lazy, lazy commentary. What poor way to treat Dark. Well, listen, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you know, the, uh, the important part of a host is two things. Make sure that things keep moving forward and make sure that he shines above everyone else. Adam Page defeated five from the Dark Order here. Look, this was a beatdown. Page slugged five down really early, tossed him around on the floor into the barricades. Finally, the entire Dark Order come out. But when I say entire, Anna Jay wasn't there. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Page was in control for this match. Lariat's power bombs. He power bombs five, actually, for the win. And again, AEW continuing, continuing with this trend of um of ending matches without actually going to a finisher finisher which i really like um at the uh after the match um uh, Brody Lee and Colt Cabana come out Lee has a microphone comes to confront Page basically says he's impressed with them and offers him a spot in the dark order Page says that he's not ready to join a cult right now Lee says you just made your bed hope you're you hope you have a good sleep in it and gives the marching orders to Uno and the rest of the Dark Order attack him. Page tries to fight back. He's completely outnumbered. And finally, who comes out to save Adam Page? It's the FTR boys carrying a cooler that they crack across uh, the heads of a couple of uh, of the uh, over three and four, I think. And uh, finally, after a while, Kenny Omega comes out. Page shakes FTR's hands and accepts a beer. They leave, and he and Omega are in the ring, and uh, the will-they-won't-they continues, Louis. This was a good segment. Really good. 
little bit too long the match for my liking. I got a bit of flack on Twitter for saying why is uh, Adam Page taking so long to um, beat an enhancement talent. And oh, apparently five or Alan Angles or Angels, whatever it is, is not an enhancement talent. So I'm wrong to say that, but he's an enhancement talent. Let's just get that clear. Um, this match was a little bit too long, I thought. Just thought it, it could have been a little bit shorter, but a bit more. It was still convincing, but just a little bit more convincing for Paige. Uh, and you know what I would have done? I would have made this a minute, two minutes shorter and then not had the picture-in-picture picture where Big Swall was cutting the promo while Eva Lee and Diamante were wrestling, would have had that after this segment. To break it up a bit, show you know what, the women's matches aren't to show other women's feuds. There can be women's feuds across the show, have uh, have that match, uh, have that segment played uh, after that. So yeah, but it, uh, the post-match was perfect for me, like really good. FTR coming down, saving Paige before uh, uh, Omega did. I think it thought it was perfect. With so many ways this could go, we could go be leading to FTR and Paige versus Omega and the Young Bucks. We could be leading to those three part of the Four Horsemen faction. There's, there's so many options, which I love. Uh, yeah, this was perfect for me. The post-match was, was really good. And as I said earlier... I've now convinced myself that not having FTR and the Young Bucks mix it up every time is is a good thing. So they can do their own things, be part of AEW's awesome uh, division. So yeah, good stuff. Harold Romero left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Harold. Says, honestly, wanted Butcher and Blade to win. Yeah, that would have... Uh, it would have been just a nice surprise. It was mentioned, right? No one really expected Butcher and the Blade to, to win. Right, Louis? It would have just been a nice little twist. I expected them to win as much as I expected Ivelisse to be Diamante on Dark last night. Jurassic Express faced <laughs> off against the inner circle. Uh, Jericho uh, Jericho comes in, and I like the fact that he was looking up in the rafters uh, coming in, yeah. uh, coming into the ring in his uh, orange stained $7,000 jacket. Um Jungle Boy, again, I, this is the kind of stuff that I really like, Louis. Um, Jungle Boy fighting Jericho again. Uh, it's been a couple of times, you know, since there. He always manages to get, like, the upper hand on him, right? And every time there's a little more that happens to it, and Jericho always seems to be in a little more trouble. I like this. You feel, actually, that this is some long-term storytelling that they're planting here, that eventually we are going to go back to a Jungle Boy Jericho feud, and it's going to be very different than the first time that they met. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, uh, agreed. I like what AEW does where they've got lots of little plates spinning just quietly in the background. Every so often they'll go back to it and have a little segment or have a little this and remind you that these two had a match. So, yeah, uh, this was great. This was great match, great Having these two involved, we're going to see them again next week because we've got 
um, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and the Best Friends versus all of in all giving something away there, but all of in a circle because hey, we have a return. We do, but um, yeah. Should we get on talking about the uh, return? We'll now? get to it. We'll get to it. Hager and uh, and Luchasaurus slug it out as well, and then uh, the uh, inner circle getting control of Luchasaurus. He becomes the babyface in peril for the first part of the match. Uh, Jungle Boy gets a great hot tag where he pescados onto Santana and Ortiz, who of course are on the outside. Gets back into the ring with a slingshot DDT on Jericho, but the heels get back in control, and uh, then it's Jungle Boy's turn to be Ricky Morton. Jericho and Aubrey Edwards fight over the bat. Which was pretty good. Jericho really likes Aubrey Edwards. It shows. Uh, um, the uh, Luchasaurus eventually gets the hot tag. He's in with some kicks and strikes. Uh, Jungle Boy takes out Hager. There's uh, Marco Stunt who interferes, and uh, that is the and Luchasaurus hits a super kick on Jericho, who kicks out really at a sliver at a two point nine, like uh, we hadn't seen in a while. And then, throughout all the chaos, Serpentico, who was in the who was uh, in the audience, jumps the barricade, grabs the bat that was tossed away by Jericho, and takes advantage of a, distra- of a distraction to uh, to use it, and Jericho ends up getting the win. They all beat, out on, beat up on Jurassic Express after the match, and we think that Serpentico has joined Inner Circle, but no, he unmasks, and it's Sammy Guevara back from his uh, from his sensitivity training and his therapy already, man, uh, that's some flash, flash therapy right there. Give me some, uh, first of all, give me your thoughts on the match overall, Louis. Match was great. Match was very good. It was three of the four involved, the fantastic and one is fine. I'll let you guys decide which one's fine, but he has some swagger to him. Um, uh, but um, yeah, it, it, a great match. But I don't know how to feel about the post match. Go ahead. Um, Thirty days, Sammy's been gone. I've never had to do sensitivity training. I don't know whether uh, that's how long. But the, the length of the suspension isn't the issue for me. It was sort of the way. He was brought back and it was like, he has returned. Look at him. Well, how we've missed him and he's now back. And it sort of was like, oh, someone's... It was the sort of thing that you did if Guevara was injured and then he returned in this way. I, But then again, you wouldn't want to bring him back and not have him sort of in this segment. I think it would have been a waste if he just came out. I don't know. I don't know how to feel, and I think I might just being overly uh, be be being overly sensitive because it's four in the morning, but and overthinking it. But I don't know. How, how about you guys? What what did you think about think about it? Am I just being a bit uh, dramatic? Alex, give me some thoughts about this. I this is the thing about this is that um, Whenever he came back, however it came, he came back. It was always going to feel like this. Like I, I don't, I don't know that that, that that thirty days is too short of a time, and I don't, uh, I don't know that like if he had been gone for like six months, you know, like and then he came back, um, would we remember? Like, so it's like, is there a way to like, is there a point where he comes back where it's the right amount of time? I don't know. 
Is there a way to bring him back? That it's the right way to bring him back? I don't know. It's always going to feel weird. It's always going to feel like uh, this. I don't like it. And you're not supposed to like it because you're not supposed to like what it was that he did that got him suspended. So now we're just going to say like, okay, are we are we rooting for him? Can Is there a way that Sammy Guevara, the person and not the wrestler, can show us every day that he's learned from his mistake, that he's sorry for it, and that he can move on so that we can continue to like root for and be impressed by the Sammy Guevara who gets in the ring every Wednesday. Is, is there a way to do that? I like to think that there is to prove in a, in a way that he has moved on, but I don't know that he's done that yet. He's just been gone for a month. He said he was sorry a couple of times. Now he's back. Do, do we all just accept it and move on? I think it, your mileage may vary, but right now I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see if, if mm. he does anything to really prove that he's a changed guy from does he does he understand why he had to go away, mm. and what, what's he going to do now to prove that he's never going to do anything like that again? I don't know. I think for me, it, and I've just thought about this, but maybe dealing with it up front at the beginning of Dynamite and saying, "Listen, my suspension is now over. I'm going to be returning to weekly television. Do another short apology." I think that that could have been a good way to to, to, to show that he's. He's moved on and not treat it like a return from injury, like a big pop if the crowd yeah. was there. Yeah. Uh, it, it, but as you say, we don't know. Thank God we're not in positions where we have to decide how to bring back someone like that onto a weekly television show that we're running. The uh, I'm just going to wrap it up with this. I think there, I'll probably have some more, some more thoughts about it on my show tomorrow. But um, just for now, I'm going to leave it with this. I think there would have been another way to bring him back other than having him be the hero and saving his team at the end. That's what made it yeah. a little weird for me. Joe Hansen left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Joe says, Ivelisse really changed up her look and name since their dark match yesterday. Impressive. So that was AEW, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the super chat, Joe. That was the, uh, that was the AEW tonight. J. Cole left us a super chat. Thank you very much says, donation to Wild Boys GoFundMe. Thank you. And some dollars to these three studs. I don't know who you're talking about. But thank you very much for the super chat. Anakin left us another super chat as well. says, Warren stopped needing to pay close attention to non-WWE or main AEW matches when he got on the other side of the select paywall. Hashtag Louis on Quizzlemania. There's a lot of stuff going on in that, in that super chat right there. Let's talk about NXT. NXT began with the big announcement from William Regal, Alex. His big announcement was that he was giving Keith Lee some time to talk. What a wow! I was straight up. I my I, my mind was blown. Honestly, I I so wanted him to just to to, to they, uh, William Regal has a big mat big big. Announcement: Him just becoming a go war games. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not war games. I'm just. I'm just messing with you. We're gonna do that in November again. But but for now, it's Keith. Hey Keith, you want to say something? Um, I uh, I I I think it it makes sense. Like Keith Lee says, I don't want to, you know, defend both of these things. They did that with Becky Lynch, and it was kind of like this weird thing where she was pulled in two directions for a while when she was two belts 
Becky Lynch. Um, I, I agree with his thing of saying, I want this to be um, something that 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 uh, new opportunities for new people to come for the new North American title. The North American title in NXT has always been that title. To me, not always, but it has felt like it's been like a major stepping stone in NXT. You go for the North American title, then you can vault your way up, possibly to the actual uh, NXT title, um, and that's certainly what Keith Lee did. Um, so I, I like that he's saying, "I'm relinquishing this, uh, and I want as many people to have a shot at it as possible." And then you know we get we get William Regal to, to do his like uh, a series of matches, uh, and 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 great triple. Like they're having five triple threats, so fifteen guys get get a, a hypothetical shot at this title, and I'm I'm totally here for it. We're gonna they, they do a ladder match. It's gonna be the five way ladder match at Takeover Thirty, which is a great. It feels like a Super Bowl Takeover Thirty. It's that's that's a cool idea. It's all really good. Um, I guess the the alternative would be you have Keith Lee lose a match, and they don't want to do that. Because they'd rather him not have to lose a match to lose that title, because they still want to build, keep that momentum going with Keith Lee, which makes sense. I, I, actually, when I saw when I saw the graphics for uh, for uh, Takeover Thirty, I thought that somehow Vin Diesel or maybe Ice Cube was going to be involved in it. Um, Louis was. Do, how do you feel about Keith Lee giving up the title? A little, a little lukewarm. Do you think? Uh, uh, maybe it was a bit of a cop out. Did we have to have the winner take all? Ultimately, if if ultimately we're just relinquishing a title, that's that's a good point. <sighs> I know it's four in the morning. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm laying in the hard questions. It's it's interesting because I was very much that I got myself hoping that we'd see a triple threat match where. The first fall was for the North American title. The second fall was for the NXT title. Killer Cross would win the North American title, have his fall. He's got what he's wanted, so we don't get Killer Cross and Keith Lee right now. Um, but then what Alex was saying made me think it's great. We get 15 guys, one of whom who we'll go on talking about later, Hasn't had a lot of time to shine on on NXT, but looking forward to seeing him in the ladder match. So I think it will be a chance to see 15 people. And I like that it's not singles matches, it's triple threats of 15 people. I'm torn, uh, but I think it was probably the right decision not to have Keithy. And actually fills me with a lot of hope and sort of positivity that they think they're going to book him very well and not just have him be jobbed out because they clearly don't want to have him lose anytime soon that they that they don't want him to drop the title. So yeah, I, I thought I, I, I'm, I'm positive. I'm giving NXT the benefit of the doubt, which to their credit, they've more than earned over the years. The line drive left us a super chat. Thank you very much. It says maybe unintentional, but I thought it was a nice choice to do a ladder match. Just like, when the title was first introduced and give the title an identity, uh, Alex, I feel it's a full circle uh, kind of yeah. decision as well. Yeah, especially because that that North American uh, first that first North American ladder match had so many like new faces and guys you didn't think were 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 certainly a lot of them weren't quite in quote ready for the main title. Well, this is why we have a North American title. Why it was introduced to give everybody that you know that IC title in NXT to give them that boost towards something bigger. 
So I, I think I think it's a nice little bit of symmetry. Next, we had Dexter Loomis taking on Killian Dane. This was a brawl. Uh, brawled quite a bit. Dane crossbodies Loomis on the floor, uses the barricades to get an advantage. Dane stays in control for a while in this match. Loomis, Dexter Loomis took a beating, Alex. Yeah, well, that's the that's the whole point of Killian Dane. He's there to administer a beating and then lose. That's that's his whole aesthetic. Um, and and that's fine. You need a guy like that, a heel who's going to put the guy you're rooting for in peril. So, oh, I, I, I don't believe that the guy I am rooting for will be able to overcome the odds. And then he does. And you're like, well, thank God for that. Moving on to the next match. That's a thing that we need in wrestling. It's a, it's a, it's a tired trope, but if it's done well, it can be effective. Killian Dane does that really well. I don't know what there, if there's a ceiling for him beyond that at this point in his career in WWE, which kind of sucks because Big Demo was like on fire when he first showed up. Like when he when he first got signed, that guy was amazing on the indies in, in Europe and everywhere. Like I, I I loved watching him, and I still did when he was part of like uh, Sanity. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like they were really going to push him, and then they put, put him up on the main roster and just forgot about all of yeah. them. And I don't think he's ever been able to to get the kind of momentum he needs back because of the role that he is playing, which is the guy who administers a beating and then loses. Dexter Loomis is a really hard guy to define because he's obviously a serial killer and yet he's a babyface. I don't I don't know how that works, but it does. And um, and this was the guy who we, we've always seen him kind of be the heavy in his matches, even though you're rooting for him. He beats Roderick Strong all over the place, but you're still rooting for mm-hmm. him and because we hate Roderick Strong. <laughs> in this case, we now we've decided we like Dexter Loomis. The man is an artist. We, we respect the, the talent that he has with pen and paper. So we want him to win. And and eventually he does, and I I, I did I did like that that Dane was like fighting up until the end, and then took his that that sit out Uranagi directly into the whatever they call that thing the his little lap sleeper, <laughs> that's it. Once you get put in that, once you once you put once he puts your head in his lap, that's it. It's all she wrote when you're wrestling Dexter. Lewis. It's interesting just to uh, come back to Killian Dane when you the the way you were talking about him, it kind of reminds me of the role that Cassius Ono had mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, right up until, of course, right up until he, well, before he left for NXT UK. But that was essentially yeah. it. Uh, just taking on guys, d- e- e- delivering beatings, but never winning the big one, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Dexter Loomis picks up the win here. And that's going to, it's good because he's going to be a busy boy next week. But we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. We get uh, Roderick Strong and, and uh, Bronson Reed and Johnny Gargano arguing backstage. Uh, quick thought here, Alex. Uh, outside of Johnny Gargano calling Roderick Strong a goof, um, I think uh, you could tell who needs the be- a little more promo class between these three guys right here. Sure. Well, I mean, that's the the the, the point of it is that you have um, you have guys like Roderick Strong was on TV. Uh, for for a while before he ever showed up, Gargano has been the focal point of NXT for years. Bronson Reed is still an up and comer, hasn't had a lot of time to do that kind of stuff. 
most of what he does is just literally throw his weight around in the ring <laughs> and then lose up until this point. He hasn't had a lot of time to like hone his, you know, talking skills. I still think there's an opportunity for him to do that. And Brunson Reed might be the perfect guy for a guy like, let's say, uh, Malcolm Bivens to manage. Like the perfect dude who might need somebody who can do all the talking while he does all the, the hossing. Like, that's the perfect thing since, you know, hopefully they're, they've decided to suspend uh, Indu Share for the rest of time for ruining that 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 um, winner-take-all match, you know. You seriously think that that wasn't planned? <laughs> well, uh, they're, pl- they're... They, they... Of course they told him to post that. <laughs> Johnny, uh, well, let's get into the match, actually. Let's get into the triple threat since we're talking about it, where Bronson Reed defeated Johnny Gargano and Roderick Strong. This was a good match. So good. Reed tosses the heels onto the floor early on, and they try to team up, but they don't trust each other. I love the little segment at first where they... That was so good. On three, we both get in the ring. One, two, three. I knew you weren't going to do it. That was fantastic. That was great. So good. Reed swats uh, both of those guys around for a good part of the match until Roderick Strong knees him on the side of the head. And then the, t- the heels team up for real this time. But Reed just keeps fighting back, Alex. He's uh, They do their best to try and keep him down, but uh, he's always got an answer for it. Man, that uh, when, when they announced this was the match, I was like, well, here's two guys in Strong and Gargano that can afford to take a loss. Two former NXT North American champions, if the whole deal is we want to put new guys in the title picture, then we, we Bronson Reed should win this match. I didn't actually think he was going to. I'm, I was so pleased, and he showed out in this Yes, thing. he did. Gosh, he, he had some great spots. I am still cannot get over how he had Gargano in like the, the Scorpion death drop position. And then he got he got Roderick Strong in the in the rock bottom position, and then Uranagi Roderick Strong threw Gargano both of them into the mat. Like without he had he had no chance to really get his weight behind it to like use his hips. It was all arm and shoulder to get Roderick Strong, who's not tiny, on top of like that was an amazing spot. His spot with the double Samoan drop, all that stuff, and and also. He sold the beating of two men so well, two much smaller men. But but the stuff that they did to him, you felt like, yeah, that would actually really hurt a big dude. Like like getting kneed in the face before you got power bombed onto the mat on the outside of the ring. Yeah, that's all great. Like everything he did, the selling, his all of his power work, it was so good. And it made you really, really root for the guy. I thought at some point, Near the end, I was like, "Well, that's it. The power bomb to the outside murdered him. That's that's that, that's how they got rid of Bron- Brunson Reed. But what an amazing match! That guy proved so much in this match, even though he lost. And then he came back and won, and I was so happy for him. It was fantastic. It really was a fantastic match. Um, there, <laughs> there was a spot where Gargano s- slingshotted strong into Bronson's crotch, which got a good giggle out of. That was, that was a good. That was a it was a good spot. It worked. It worked really well in the context. Uh, he hits a senton at some point. Reed does. Uh, and let's not underplay the fact that Strong hit an Olympic slam on Reed as well, which is something in yeah. itself. To me, the spot of the match was 
Gargano, who ends up in an electric chair position on Reed's shoulders. Roderick Strong flies off the top rope, but Gargano leans back, avoiding uh, avoiding uh, uh, Roderick Strong's flying knee. But as he's leaning back, Poison Rana's ya boy, Bronson. That was good stuff. Gargano hits yeah. a sling- slingshot DDT, but Reed uh, on on Strong, but Reed flies off the top rope with a big splash before Gargano can get the full cover on him, and he gets the win. And you know what I also like about I- this? Pushing new guys. I'm all for it. Yes. So 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 great. And um, uh, I I I loved the way that they 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 handled the finish as well with Bronson still on the outside, where um. Strong is that amazing, like super gut buster on on Gargano, who who has enough in him to do his final heartbeat um, uh, DDT, but he's still selling the damage from the gut buster, so he's not able to get over and cover, and all he can do is put a put a hand on him. And when Bronson Reed comes down, he not only squashes uh, Roderick Strong, but he breaks, basically, he breaks Gargano's hand. And Gargano's like, ah, it's, this is great. Like, I told, I, I've never seen that kind of a of a finish in Triple Threat match. I thought that was fantastic. Rafael Garcia left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, I need Bronson Reed to hit the big splash from the top of the ladder. I don't care if it's considered attempted murder in 36 <laughs> states. It's allowed in Florida. I need it. Hashtag, I'm a Bronson Reed guy. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that he's going to be in the match after what we saw tonight, I'm excited about it. Yeah. This is recommended viewing, folks. Go out of your way to watch this match. It's a good time. We also had Dakota Kai uh, saying that she's coming for Io Shirai. I'm okay with that. That should be good. Then we get Ever-Eyes versus Brizongo, who come out as Mounties because Ever-Eyes are Canadians. I mean, uh, outside of the Brizongo entrance, I don't think there's really much to say about this match, Alex. Brizongo got the win. No, I, I just I just want to say that to Brizongo. I mean, listen, two weeks ago you came out dressed as luchadors, mocking Mexican Mexico's culture. This week you come out as the Mounties, mocking Canada's culture. When will it end? Is there no foreign country whose culture you will not mock? Brizongo, you're so insensitive. That's just a joke. Um, I I thought this was all fantastic. Um, I I I. I I love Brizongo and it's a weird thing that they're like, they're holding down the tag division because Eichner and Bartel are missing in action. You took the, the, the belts off of um, Thatcher and Riddle uh, to, to hot shot Riddle up onto the main roster where he's doing stuff. Uh, and now you got Eichner and Bartel who are nowhere to be found. Um, it, maybe you could have hot shotted the belts onto a team that lives in, 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 you know, Florida. I, I don't really don't know where Bartel and, Eichner, I, I was assuming they did live in Florida because, you know, Walter isn't there and he lives in Europe. And I know he's got friends who are like those like Bartel and, and Eichner are European. But uh, I don't know. They haven't mentioned the tag belt. Like they weren't on Great American Bash. They didn't mention anything as far as that goes. I'm just wondering what's the deal with that. And I don't like doing the, well, maybe somebody caught something. I don't like doing that you kind of are forced to when they never mention anything about their tag champs. Trestle walk left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says 
Tom Phillips's "Oh my God!" after Morrow's "Eager Beavers" made my day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're 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 developing a good chemistry though those two as uh, as the weeks progress. Yeah. Uh, Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin. Says just a reminder: Tyler Breeze doesn't play with a full deck. Hashtag Departy. <laughs> mm. Line Drive left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. As Brizongo has been working so well lately, it really seems like a missed opportunity. They didn't do a title switch, especially with Imperium yeah. gone. Um, Louis, what do you think about about this? Because we Imperium are missing in action right now. Um, any thoughts? It's normally if a, if a champion hadn't been on television for weeks, I would be like, you know what, that's. Not right. You need to put your tele- uh, champion on television normally every week. But it, as Alex alluded to, in the current climate, who knows why people aren't on television? They might have made the call not to. They might have unfortunately come down with something. We're not saying they have, just speculative, which, again, I don't like to do either. So I don't look too much into who's on TV every week and who's not because – at the end of the day, we just don't know why certain people aren't. Um, and I'm sure when they put the tag titles on them, they were fully intending them to be on TV every week. So it, it's difficult. And um, it's it's one where I think you've got to see how it progresses. If it gets to the point where it's ridiculous and they're not on TV for months, then it's something you have to address. But if it's a couple of weeks thing... Perhaps that's something that a feud could continue, but I don't think that NXT would be the sort of people to uh, to just not have them on TV if they had nothing for them. Next, we had Aaliyah versus Shotzi Blackheart again. Um, this was fun. It was all about the story. However, I will uh, I, I will mention here that the that Aaliyah's snap suplex followed by a float over into a Northern Lights suplex on Shotzi was. Really nice. I thought that was cool. Uh, but uh, Shotzi uh, mounted a comeback, hits an enziguria butterfly suplex, and then hits uh, a top rope senton after knocking uh, Robert Stone off the apron, wins the match, runs over the leg with the tank again. So we're like all having a good chuckle at Robert Stone being, uh, being potentially crippled again. But Alex, who comes to save him? But Mercedes Martinez, she drives off Shotzi. And then later in a segment, we see Stone and Mercedes backstage where Mercedes walks up to him and says, look, I want you to handle the paperwork, all the stuff that I don't like to handle. You take care of it, but don't overstep your boundaries when it comes to my business. I settle my stuff in the ring. You sign my papers. Give me some thoughts, Alex. Okay, so um, it should be mentioned, Shotzi ran over the other leg. So now he's got two broken ankles or whatever it is that happens when you get run over by a pow, pow, power wheels. Um, Mercedes comes out and attacks Shotzi. And then backstage, we see what she says. Listen, I'm here. I got to wrestle. I want you to handle all that crap, all, all, the, all the paperwork, all that stuff. You give me matches. If you overstep your bounds... I will permanently break both your legs. And it's the permanently that got me. Because bones knit. You know, like, that you can heal broken legs. She's going to permanently break both his legs. 
And so now I really need to see Robert Stone overstep his bounds. I don't know how that happens, but she, I do not take Mercedes Martinez as a woman who makes threats lightly. So after Robert Stone oversteps his bounds, I want to see what she does to permanently break both of his legs. I just want to know how you do that because that's just a very, it's enticing to me. And, but here's what I wanted very much out of this at the end. I wanted to say, okay, the first thing you do is get me a match with X. My personal choice is Rhea Ripley, but I, I, I wanted to be, I want a get you a, give me a match with whoever it is that she wants right. to face, like have her pick her opponents. And then it's up to Robert Stone to find out a way to get a match with that person. Otherwise he's going to have both of his legs permanently broken. I think that's a really good way to like get your comedy character doing comedy stuff while also featuring this murder machine of the women's division. I think it's a perfect way to, to balance everything. I think if we're leading, we're clearly leading into a, well, clearly, probably leading into a feud with Shotzi Blackheart. And as far as, uh, as a potential feud goes and a potential match, uh, I think this has a lot of potential. Shotzi is very, very good. Uh, she's been around the block on the indie circuit quite a bit. Mercedes, well, I mean, I, I don't know how much we can, how much more we can sing her praises week after week, but uh, she's uh, she's wrestling royalty uh, to a certain degree. Uh, could be doing worse as far as the first uh, re- first program for Mercedes Martinez in NXT right now. Alex, I mean, the the, the my again, my dream is is Rhea Ripley. Like, that's that's the perfect one because Rhea, Rhea's not doing anything. EO's got a thing going on with Dakota Kai. I don't know how, that's, how long it's going to last. But I, I'd, I'd love for Mercedes Martinez to say, listen, um, I, like, I, I, have, I have boots older than you. Like, I've been doing this for a long damn time, kid. And I don't like that you think you can come in here and be queen bitch on campus. I'm going to... I, 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 I want to make sure that you don't uh, under... Uh, overstep your bounds because maybe then I'll permanently break both your legs. Like, I just wanted that. Can we figure out a, like a, a finishing maneuver that Rhea Ripley could do that's just like the double permanent break leg breaker? I don't know what that is, but figure it out. Wait, this is, we're gonna we're gonna figure out something for you, Alex. We're we're gonna do some medical research for next week's show. We're gonna figure this one out. Rafael Garcia left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says I need to. I need a tank. Point of view camera just with Shotzi running people down each week. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That'd be great. We need, like, when Tyler Breeze used to do it on his phone and you see it on the entrance, right? We need, like, a GoPro attached to um, the front of her tank. See, when you see her running over Robert Stone, it's just the funniest thing. Trestle walk. It's a wordplay on Wrestle Talk. Lefty Super Chat. Yes, I know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Says, are there any faces left in the women's division? Well, Alex mentioned Rhea Ripley, uh, and there's Tegan Knox. Those are the two that just come off the top of my head. But I mean, Shotzi's now Shotzi. mired firmly in the mid card, dalliancing with with Aaliyah. But she she was being pushed as something. She's the one who eliminated Shayna Baszler from that battle royal. Like they were pushing her at some point as being a, a new face in that division. And they kind of like just let her sink back down the car. So I'm not really sure. EO as well. She's a bit. Well, obviously, yeah. She's the, yeah, she's the, she's the champion. I'm, th- I'm trying to think of like, if there's other baby faces that could be challengers in the way I, I don't. Tegan Knox is the, is the big one. 
Anakin left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Anakin says, just thought of this. Could NXT do a mini women's tag tourney with winner getting title shot to counter AEW's tag tourney since AEW has tag titles? I wouldn't put it past them. I'm okay. Oh, no. They're, they're, they're definitely trying to find any way they can counter-program everything. It would be nice, though, if WWE, you know, the the company that's been around for several decades and, you know, has a lot more to work with than, than AEW, could come out with ideas that AEW has to counter instead of the other way around, you know. We're, get, we're getting some Super Chat suggestions for how to oh, permanently good. break legs. TJ Ridgeway <laughs> left one. You guys are weird. TJ, <laughs> TJ Ridgeway, thank you, left one. Thank you. Don't, don't, don't you guys us. No, no, not you guys. You guys, you know what I think about you guys. TJ Ridgeway says, uh, sharpshooter till both legs break. <laughs> Mike Lucas left us a super chat as well. Thank you, Mike. Says, a deep Boston crab should do just fine for a Robbie. So not only should we break them, but we need to torture them in the process. Yeah. Poor, poor, oh, poor Robert Stone. Uh, Anakin left us another super chat. Thank you again, Anakin. Says, as long as... Uh, circling back to our discussion about uh, the absence of champions, he says, as long as champions aren't on the Brock schedule, I'm okay with them being off TV a week or two. Timothy Thatcher took on Oni Lorcan tonight. I was a little surprised. I thought they were going to save this perhaps for the fight pit. But I mm-hmm. guess there's still room for that considering the, the conclusion. Well, I mean, this was exactly what you, it was exactly what you would have expected from these two guys. A lot of grappling. Both guys fighting for positioning early on and leverage. Thatcher has the leg. Oni falls in with some uh, falls in with some strikes to, uh, to, to release the leg. But eventually Thatcher gets back in control. Thatcher winches Lorcan and gets him in a bow and arrow and sort of leans over to get uh, Oni into a pinning position. I thought that was really, really good. Double wrist locks. Uh, Lorcan with uh, European uppercuts. Flying European uppercuts. Um, We even get the uh, half and half suplex. Thatcher fish hooks Lorcan again. And uh, the ending comes when Oni has him in a in an arm lock. Thatcher maneuvers into a lateral press since he can't get out of the of the arm lock, and keeps his uh, Lorcan's shoulders pinned down for the win. So Alex, to a certain degree, here was like evenly matched. It's just Thatcher was a little smarter here. I kind of feel that there's still more room for this feud if WWE believes in it. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing is that these two guys were are, are so evenly matched. Um, this was so great. I I loved like Thatcher has a counter for some of the chops, um, but he can't keep his arms up to block the chops. Like when he just kept chopping his his forearms, yeah, yeah. which was great. Like get those out of my way, and I'm gonna keep chopping you now again. Um, this is this is great. Like Thatcher's a tough son of a bitch. Like this, the, I mean, like that's that's what this proved. Like, like he, he, he was selling the arm the whole time and he got into a position where like, I'm going to have to tap. I, I can't get out of this hold. So I'm going to figure out a way to roll him over onto his shoulders and, and, um, and get the, uh, get the tights. Otherwise I lose. And Thatcher does not want to lose. This was all really, really great. Um, I think that this is one of those, those, um, rivalries 
that can continue over months. Sure. Like every every now and then they run afoul of each other. Let's have another match, as opposed to one match every two or three weeks for two months, where where we might get tired of it. I think this might be something where we can actually see them um, come back to to it later. Um, especially but in the fight I, pit. I did, especially in the fight pit. That's the way you're actually going to finish this feud. Um, but yeah, I I I was a, I was a big fan of this. This was some really hard hitting stuff. I think it'd be nice to see them both as part of the ladder match as well, maybe. I think that um, it's nice when there's like a feud going on where they mix in matches. Like there's matches that they're both booked in by winning other matches or just by proxy, like in a a, a Money in the Bank match, for example, when you've got two rivals that are just, instead of having them in a lazy one-on-one match, it's, it's a nice way to extend a feud, have them... And mix it up again without your traditional one-on-ones. So I think if you put those two in and gave them the takeover platform, that'd be pretty cool. Well, Thatcher might have a chance to be in the North American uh, title next week because uh, thanks to a promo by Finn Balor, a good one at that, we discovered that uh, next week's triple threat qualifier is going to be Finn Balor versus Dexter Loomis versus Timothy Thatcher. That should be a good time. The line drive left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, uh, Thatcher and Oni wrestling each other is like watching Link fight Shadow Link in Ocarina of Time. They just mirror each other. Yeah, there's and especially they were all in. They were both in blue gear tonight as well. Anakin uh, GMT left us a super chat. Thank you again. Anakin says mild spoilers for The Last of Us Part Two, but a hammer has been shown to permanently break limbs. <laughs> well, I was thinking something she could do in the confines of a regular match, but yes. You're right. Hammers work well. You know, look, I mean, we had an eye for an eye match, Alex. You never know what WWE might pull out next. Rafael Garcia. You never never know. Rafael Garcia in the same vein left a super chat. Thank you again. Says, I know Alex has seen misery. That's how you break (laughs) legs. The old (laughs) back of the axe trick. No, no, we're not hobbling anybody while they're in bed. No, you dirty birdie. Stop it. (laughs) Early on, we also had had a promo by, uh, from... uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Alex, he likes to dance. He likes to make music. I think this is a guy who likes to have fun. You know, it's 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 odd, but it was one of those things where I I could have sworn, like I had I had the sense that he might be a guy who likes to have fun. I don't know what it is about him, like when just looking at him, where I think that maybe according to the people who run WWE that he might like to have fun. But I mean, usually you can kind of spot these things. Um, I'm glad he's getting promo time. I'm glad that they're talking about how he's the only guy who's beaten Santos Escobar, by the way, who was not on the show this week. That's a definite lack of, of uh, Legado uh, del Fantasma that I, I am not here for. Those 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 guys should be on the show all the time. Um, but, yes, the, the we're, we're moving toward uh, a Scott versus... Um, Santos match, and I, I can't wait to see it. Main event time, where we had Karrion Cross versus Dominic Dijakovic. Um, this was this was a good, strong match. Uh, uh, I, I thought it was really well paced. Test of strength to start, some back and forth. Uh, Dijak doing his best to try and get uh, to get one over Karrion Cross, but he just can't do it. Uh, he hits a release suplex on Cross, a sit-out choke slam. Can't put Cross away with them. 
Even a Topi Con Hilo by Dijak can do it. But Killer Cross kicks his, kicks the stairs against um, the steel stairs, the unforgiving steel stairs against uh, Dijakovic's head. And Dijak just passes out. He's done. He's knocked out. He drags him back into the ring. He pins him down and just doesn't want to end the match. Just wants to punch him some more. Just wants to just wants to hit him some more. That brings Keith Lee down to the ring um, to sort of be there for his friend. We talked about this, Alex, last week. We talked about mm-hmm. how we had to raise the stakes to make this personal. But I want to hear your thoughts about it because the the match came to an end when uh, – well, actually, it stretched out a little bit. Killer Cross didn't exactly end the match when Keith Lee was there. Keith Lee wanted to interfere, but Dijak insisted that he didn't get in – that he – that he shouldn't interfere. And eventually cross just, uh, cross put Dijak in the cross jacket referee stopped the match. Despite the fact that Keith Lee wanted to help. He honored what his friend, uh, asked despite the fact that his friend got choked out. Walk us through this. What do you think about it, Alex? Well, this is um, one of those things that would work a lot better if there were stakes to the match, because there were none at all. And um, I, when I was watching Dijak, because uh, that's what I call him, because Dijakovic, Dijakovic, whatever, Dijak um, saying, no, no, don't throw in the towel. I could take this guy. Well, you can't. Like, every time you, you say that, he rolls you back over onto your back, and you don't put up a guard, and he just elbows you in the, in the temple. So, no, you, you, you don't got this guy. It'd be one thing if the stakes were, if Dijakovic loses this match, then he can never have another title shot as long as he is in WWE or something. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, is, what, is, what is so important that you can't lose this match, Dijak? Pride? That's, that's bullshit. I'm sorry, that's bullshit. Like I don't understand what that is. Like you, you just, you just had a run in with Cross last week. As far as I know, you never met the guy before last week. So what do you, what do you care? What is the deal? Like I understand this is supposed to build. Now it's personal between between Carrie and Cross, and and Keith Lee. That's great. That's a great way of doing that. You can do that without having Dijak be like, no, no, Keith, my best friend in the world, who I only became friends with last week. Please, please don't throw in the towel. I gotta do this myself. If if he kills me, it's okay because because I gotta win this match where there's no stakes. Like there there needed to be something else added to this to make it make to make it really make sense. All of the other aspects were there to tell a really great story, but there was no the context of it was lacking. So I I, I really appreciate now that Keith Lee wants to murder Karrion Cross, but there was a, a middleman somewhere that got, got all messed up because I don't understand why Dijak couldn't just lose the match. Mm-hmm. Like, ha- have Karrion Cross beat him, and then after the match, Karrion Cross won't take him out of the, the, the chokehold, and now he's completely passed out, and then after the match is over, after he's already won... He he just keeps hitting him with forearm shots, and the refs can't pull him off, and he just keeps doing it. Like he's gonna beat this guy to death, and 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 
Donovan Dijak is just sitting there. He can't he can't fight back at all. Then you have Keith Lee, Keith Lee rush out. Like the Dijak, like saying "Don't throw in the towel" doesn't make any sense in this context. Um, this aligns with a a few things that have changed in NXT. You know where everything always has to be extremely personal or world ending or and super dramatic extremely dramatic and this is a bit i think it's a like we say in french a, a faux pli uh you know a a a a bad habit that's been developed since the whole Chomper gargano stuff where every main okay. event has to have these super emotional stakes and we have to force them in it whereas the stakes should be big enough it's your top championship Versus for and and you have a top contender who just happens to be a psychotic murder man. Uh, the stakes build themselves. It's weird sometimes that WWE just doesn't want to lean into the most basic stuff and always feel that they have to add on this layer, which is okay, but not necessary and just adds a level of melodrama that maybe we don't need. Yeah. Colt Boudou left us a super chat, says at least, thank you very much, says at least Dijak got a good send-off to Raw. Well, it is... It, that's, that's, what, that's what we believe. That's what we yes. believe. Do you know who broke that news? Uh, no, tell us, Louis. It's your good British friend from over the pond. Oh, uh, Tom Colohue, good for him. Whiteful Pro Wrestling, right, Whiteful Pro, excuse me, Whiteful Fro Wrestling left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, let's, coming back to Swerve, says, let's not forget Swerve's logo looks like it's written in some manly body fluid. Thank you. Oh, thank you for reminding us. <laughs> uh, Anakin JMD left us a super chat, says, Alex, we have seen screwdrivers used in Hell in a Cell match. Do you really think WWE wouldn't use a ball peen hammer. We're still talking about um, breaking legs. Listen, I totally understand if 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 Mercedes Martinez is only going to wrestle uh, like unsanctioned matches, like only under hardcore rules. Fine, but I'd like her to be able to like do this when you know she's not going to be disqualified for it. Personally, that's just my own thing. TJ Ridgeway left us another super chat. Thank you. TJ says a curb stomp to the knees through a cinder block. Yeah, why not? Sure. <laughs> that, that'd that get the job done. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was NXT. That was the show, actually. We're going to wrap this one up uh, tonight. Uh, thank you to Alex and Louie. Louie, let the people know where they can find you on social media. Uh, at the Louie Dangle. That's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's me. I've got uh, WrestleTalk interviews coming on Friday, an interview that I did with FTR. So check that out. Uh, and I've also, for a little tease, I'm going to be interviewing someone that was on either NXT or AEW next week. So that narrows the field. Check that out. <laughs> Thank you, Louis. It does. Thank- so it's not Marcel Bartel or Fabian Eichner. Good point. There, there you, you go. go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Louis. Alex, uh, let the people know about you. Uh, you can follow me at Alex Sour Graps on the Twitter. And uh, I do two shows, one on Tuesday and one on Saturday, where I talk about Monday Night Raw 
and uh, and and SmackDown, and sometimes I talk about eye for an eye matches and how how funny they are because because this little googly eye is a as an actually more accurate prop than the ping pong ball they used when they took out Ray Mysterio's eyeball. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes or follow me. Uh, go subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. I'm doing my own show tomorrow night, live recording, 9 p.m. Eastern. If you feel like it, come hang out. It's a good time. Just like hanging out with all of you who joined us here live tonight was a good time. Fightful.com. Go there. Fightfulwrestling.com as well. But also go to Fightful Select. Subscribe. Thank you all so much tonight, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you next time. And we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.